Welcome to Keeping at Marion. I'm Father Thaddeus. And I'm Father Timothy. We are two Marian priests, and together we join Marian keeping the Word of God and the events of our daily lives, pondering them and in our hearts. Today, we are keeping at Marian by introducing this new podcast. Some of you may have heard me in the 90 Days for the Souls in Purgatory that recently finished in November, and I wanted to continue somehow reaching out to those who listened and this idea came that with Father Timothy, we might be able to have not only audio this time as a podcast, but also video for those of us joining by video. So I'm glad to have you here with me, Father Tim. It's good to be here. Yeah, It's wonderful that after so many years of living with you, I'm actually able to now have a project with you, especially <laughs> since you were recently ordained this past July, correct? That's right, July 8th. Yeah, it's wonderful after years of formation that now we get to do this project together. So for those of you who may be joining us by video, you may notice something rather obvious. Father Tim and I look kind of like salt and pepper, forgive the <laughs> phrase, but uh, I get to wear white and he's still wearing black. Um, today we celebrate the Immaculate Conception and the white habit that was given by Father Founder and worn by him originally was in honor of the Immaculate Conception of the Mother of God. I think your habit is still on the way though, no? Father? Yes. Yes, uh, I should be getting mine in a couple weeks, hopefully. Yeah, so at some point you'll probably see both of us decked out in, in full white, uh, so you won't see the mixture, but you'll probably see Marion's much like Father Tim and myself. Uh, you'll see some wearing black because our renovator, Blessed George, when we were reduced to one man, saw it necessary that we wear what diocesan priests wear so that we would survive. Right. Otherwise, the czarist government and the Orthodox Church uh, we're not very happy with us, to say the least, That's right. during that time. It was a kind of uh, camouflage of sorts. Yes. And uh, for 100 years, we've we've continued with that tradition. But uh, ever since I entered into the community, I remember it always being a conversation, you know, that I believe the, the various uh, provincial councils have, uh, not provincial, but general councils, have, you know, deliberated and gone over, like, is the Holy Spirit calling us back to the white habit and... Uh, well, obviously, just recently, the answer was yes. And yeah. so uh, very slowly, uh, as quick as as quickly as these habits can be made, um, they're they're being made and then given out to, to various brothers. Yeah. So it's my joy to be able to actually wear this. And I look forward to seeing Father Tim in it as well. Uh, I mentioned briefly, so St. Stanislaus, our founder, when he left the Pierist, they actually have a black habit, so similar to what Father Tim is wearing. And when he left on the day that he was exclaustrated and released from his vows, he then took what's called his oblatio, his self-offering. It was December 11th, 1670, which we actually count as the foundation day for us as Marians. Uh, and it was the beginning of our 350th Jubilee uh, in 2020, which we actually end today uh, on December 8th, six, uh, December 8th, 2023, but 1673 was right. the date I'm thinking of. That's right. Um, but... On that day in 1670, St. Stanislaus wore a white habit in honor of the purity of Our Lady, not only her virginal purity, but also the purity of just being free from all sin from her conception onward. So it's a great joy to uh, be able to, to share this with you and to be able to wear it as well. So beyond that, if today is the Immaculate Conception, it's our patronal feast day. It's something that's of the highest importance for us as Marians and a fitting day for us to be able to, to start a podcast together. <laughs> sure. Uh -huh. And so the title, Keeping It Marian, you know, Father Tim and I, we batted this idea around at the dinner table because we're here with about 18 guys total, seminarians and novices. Uh, so it was a pretty creative process. We had some interesting titles <laughs> that were offered. Some more creative than others. Yes. And I can't remember if it was Father Tim or one of the novices who eventually came up with this. I think it was idea. one of the novices you were telling me about that they they offered it, and it was like you know you suggested it to me or put it out there amongst the many different uh, uh, offerings that were going back between us. And I was like, I actually kind of like that. I yeah. very much love the the word keep. To yeah, that's to, right. Yes, you were you were hitting home on that on yes. that word a lot to me. Yes. It took some time for me to warm up to the idea, but uh, today for the introduction. I want to try to hit, as it were, both axes, you know, so one axis of the idea of keeping, you know, Our Lady who kept these words in her heart, we'll get into that, and then keeping it Marian, uh, not only because of Our Lady, but also uh, as Marians of the Immaculate Conception that 
part of this is to share with you the riches of our charism, the riches of the mystery, the Immaculate Conception that we celebrate today, a mystery that so often gets reduced to, well, yeah, that's something that happened to Mary. And, right. you know, it's kind of an interesting detail in salvation history, but doesn't really affect us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and something in my Marian life I've come to realize is there's a lot more to unpack. Yes. In fact, St. Maximilian Colby, one of my favorite quotes from him is he said that the proclamation of the dogma of the Immaculate Conception is really only half, mm-hmm. if even that much of the whole mystery. There's a lot more to unpack which I think St. Stanislaus understood, even if he didn't express it in terms of theology or long books. He had this intuition that there's some very deep riches of God's grace and mercy at work uh, in Our Lady, and not only in her, but in the church through this mystery. So those are the two things that we want to unpack in this introductory episode. We'll probably won't unpack it all, so right. you'll have to be patient with us. Uh, I often feel like uh, I'm... Uh, uh, someone who's prepared a whole meal. <laughs> and even when someone can tell me, you know, I, I've had enough, I'm like, oh, but I made more. <laughs> I want to share more. Uh, so I, I'm trying to uh, pace myself in, right. in giving uh, just so much each episode. So, Father Tim, since you were the one who first batted this idea of the word keep, uh, I think I mentioned already in Luke, I think you wanted to share some from the Gospel of Luke, perhaps read. Uh, where does that come into play uh, in the Gospel of Luke? Absolutely. There's two parts in Scripture, uh, as you mentioned, in Luke, uh, where Our Lady uh, is described to be keeping events in her heart, keeping the Word of God in her heart, keeping all things really in her heart. And uh, we were also talking about how one of the hopes and desires for this podcast is while it will definitely have a focus on Scripture, it will also have a focus on events going on in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously there's tons of events going on in our world today. So, um, and there always will be. You right. know, so it's always right. important for us to, uh, as Marians, to adopt the example of Our Lady in all things. And one of those things was this, this habit of, of keeping these things in our heart. So the first uh, scripture that I'd like to read, and we can discuss that and see you know, what the Holy Spirit is bringing up for us, um, is from the second chapter of Luke, and it's verses 8 through uh, 20. Um, and of course, just to remind people, this is at the very beginning of Luke, and this is dealing particularly with the shepherds and the angels right after the birth of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And in that region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which will come to all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. 
I'm grateful that you read the whole context there. As I listened to it, not even reading it, but just focusing on it, I realized what a strange birth. And I, I say that with all respect, but I can only imagine, you know, for a woman who who's given birth, you know, imagine angels appearing out of the sky singing. You have strange and possibly smelly uh, shepherds coming to adore your child and speaking of a, a heavenly messenger. So on a human side, part of me says, well, of course, Mary would keep these things in our heart, because imagine if for those of you who are women giving birth in a situation like this, you probably also would be a little perplexed and sure. wondering, well, that's not very normal. Uh, that's a little out of the ordinary. Now, of course, we know with theology, we know by faith that this is Jesus Christ, the <clears> word of God <throat> made flesh. And so, of course, it makes sense that things out of the ordinary are happening. Right. But part of what I want to focus on throughout the podcast is sometimes we can focus on the divine and the holy and the spiritual and the sacred and we forget the very human context of this. You know, Mary is likely a, a teenager, so 14, sure. 15 years old. Uh, she doesn't have the gospel written for her. You know, she she doesn't have the pages, you know, what what happens next? You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> what am I supposed to do or say? That's right. And so, of course, you know, there's an amount of perplexity, uh, not because she's confused, but uh, Luke makes clear later when she looks for Jesus in the temple she doesn't understand everything. Even though she firmly believes and she's free from all sin, uh, she's still trying to, kind of like a, a puzzle, you know, yes. trying to, to put these pieces together from what she knows from Scripture already, uh, from things that she's understood from the archangel. But like I said, she didn't have everything put together like we do. You know, we, we go to the catechism, like, okay, you know, what do we know about this event already? And I think that's, for me, some, an attitude I still want to foster in my own heart sure. more and more. Uh, because it's very easy as Catholics to just want to know the facts. We just want to get the answers, and we certainly have a lot of answers, and that's great. But something I remember learning, uh, one of the books I read was, uh, we've often lost the idea of faith as walking into the uncertain, mm. into the unknown. You know, Mary is here in a totally new situation. Uh, you know, many other infants likely born in Bethlehem don't have all these events happening to them. So there's nothing to compare her experience to. Sure. And there she is trying to make sense, you know, uh, of this. And she's able to walk into the unknown, walking according to his promise, like Abraham. Uh, and I think that's particularly Marian in terms of her as a model of faith. Uh, what, do you, what, what does this evoke in you, Tim, as you read this passage? Well, I mean, it's those words that you're sharing actually, oddly, uh, evokes a contemporary song. Uh, there's <laughs> a lyric uh, from one of my absolute favorite uh, musical groups, if you will, uh, called 21 Pilots. Yes. And there is a song in there where he basically says, you know, to his listeners, to his fans, uh, he says, I don't know where I'm going but I can hear myself around. Like he, he, he hears, right. You know, he, he's using like, it's like you can picture somebody, you know, walking in the dark. And I think a lot of us, not just our lady and a lot of the saints sometimes, yes, they have the light of Christ. Yes. They have the promise that his providence will prevail and that goodness will come about. And ultimately if they continue to follow his will and everything, they will end up, like, so we know where our end is. Our end is with God the Father. But we don't know the day in and day out, uh, you know, minute by minute <laughs> outline of how this is supposed to go. And obviously, if we were to stop and ponder about that, right, it would make total sense. Because if we knew how everything was going to play out, one, it would be very boring, very boring, <laughs> very dull. But, but two... Where would be the trust? Where right. would be the opportunity right. to grow continuously in trust? And when we look, you know, and it's such a it's a good point. You're like, you know, we're so familiar with the scriptures. Mm. We've heard these stories time and time again. But it's so important to really stop and try to put ourselves, mm. what must it have been like? You know, what really must it have been like, even though I know how the narrative of this particular mm -hmm. story is going to go, that we can't lose connection with the real legitimate fear, mm -hmm. the real legitimate, uh, you know, doubts that, that might come across, even for Mary. You know, you can say that, you know, did she doubt insofar as she gave into it? 
Right. No, but yeah. were there moments where she's like, wait a second, is this, you know, I mean, them fleeing into the desert, you know, because the, the Herod's trying to, to kill the child uh, or, or Jesus being lost in the temple or, you know, you can go down the laundry list. But the point is, right, is, is that constant reflection. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great thing. And, and as you were, you know, talking about what it must have been like for Mary in the, the stable there or, you know, with the animals, you know, actually, I never thought of it before, but just like the angels appeared to the shepherds and the shepherds were afraid. It's quite possible that Mary was feeling a little bit uh, afraid as all these burly shepherds are coming towards them. And she's like, is this their stable? Are they going to kick us out? What's what's going on? You know, and I could even see the shepherds saying, be not afraid. The angels told us to come, you know, and then she'd be like, oh, that's that kind of tracks. So, yes. No, those are aspects that I think are important to highlight in terms of the humanity of the situations in the gospel. Uh, St. John Chrysostom, when he talks about the Gospels, he says they tend to summarize a lot of these facts. Mm. And so we have the the series out right now, The Chosen, that's gotten uh, a lot of praise and a lot of flack in different ways. We won't enter into that today in this episode, but uh, it tries to flesh out this human element, for better or for worse. Uh, but they try to fill in a little bit more of these details. Uh, and on the forms, they have a good commentary from a Catholic point of view, and they even point to Second Maccabees that literally says we've tried to summarize these events. We they said that something like eight books that they try to compile into one, uh, because otherwise that's a lot right. to read. Uh, and we don't have all the human details, um, but Ignatius of Loyola, when he talks about contemplation, he said, place yourself in the scene, use your imagination. What you've been talking about, you know, what would have Mary felt right. uh, when she's seeing unknown shepherds walking to her in a pretty intimate moment. I, you know, obviously I haven't had a child myself, but I can only imagine um, uncle of 17, you know, the moment after birth, you know, those are very personal, private moments. And here the shepherds are coming right away. Um, and so to place oneself in the these positions, and sometimes we can say, look, well, I couldn't place myself in the position of Mary. And there's truth, you know, we don't have access to what it's like being sinless uh, because, you know, like you mentioned, many of our doubts are sinful. You know, she can have points she doesn't understand. And right. St. John Paul II makes clear at Calvary uh, that the promise of the archangel seems totally contradicted. You know, no Jew would have thought the throne of David would be a crucifix mm-hmm. or that the Messiah was to be crucified and publicly executed. But she's able to hold what looks like contradiction, things that she doesn't know uh, or understand on a human level with faith and yes. still believe. And I think that's why <clears throat> we'll talk about this more in another point, but her silence is so powerful because yeah. She's capable of holding the two together, whereas we often just give in to doubt and just, I don't get it. I'm, you know, I'm done with this. Uh, She's able to hold the pain of human reality uh, and God's promise. And she doesn't just whitewash what's going on, but she also doesn't ever give in to actual doubt. And that's powerful. Uh, And I think that's the process, you know, that's shown here in such a a simple phrase. She, She kept these things in her heart, which sounds very like, prosaic and just (laughs) quiet, you know, Uh, she just kept these things, you know, as if she's just, you know, quietly praying. Um, We think about events in our own lives. Oftentimes, you know, when there are powerful events uh, afterward, we, we, you know, it comes back to our mind. We're trying to kind of unpack what one person said or what happened, how we felt. Uh, Because often these are things that require time to really unpack and chew, uh, as it were. And the other thing that came to my mind when you were talking is, Lexio Divina, the, the prayer of meditating over scriptures. Mm-hmm. And one of the first steps is, you know, try to read it as if it's really the first time almost. Sure. And you're more of an expert in this area than I am, so I'm open to correction, uh, even public correction here. But <laughs> C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. you know, in his Chronicles of Narnia, utilized allegory as a way of trying to kind of jolt us to hear the gospel story as if it were the first time. Because he commented yes. about this, that we get almost jaded. We're kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, I, he dies and rises again. And you're like, you know, okay, I know all this stuff. Right. Uh, and he told, wrote that story as a way of kind of blinding us for a moment. It's a little easy to catch on that allegory after a while for us to come to understand uh, what actually is going on here on a deeper level. And Tolkien, you know, I know I'm on your stomping grounds when I talk about these things. Uh, 
since I know you love a lot of British authors, but uh, Tolkien wanted even more than allegory, fantasy, because he wanted to be even more removed from anything we could so quickly identify, but so that we could be taken into other people's experiences and a certain wonder at, at life, at story, at reality. Uh, there's that famous line, help me if you remember this, where at least in the movie, where Sam turns to, to uh, Frodo and says, you know, what if we're the ones in the middle of the story? Oh, sure. You know, what, what if we're the main characters? Yeah, yeah. They're going to sing songs about us. Yeah, you know? right. Uh, and that's kind of what we're talking about, like with Mary. I mean, yeah. she's here at the center of the story. Uh, and of course, we're in our own stories, too. And I think we often forget that. Yeah. We just, you know, as Americans, we get our coffee, <laughs> continue our day and kind of pre-programmed pretty much. Uh, and we kind of think that things like what we read about in the scriptures kind of don't happen anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think Tolkien's right. Sometimes we got to be taken into a totally different reality, kind of imagine a totally different uh, world so we can enter this world anew and, and realize like what happened to Mary, sure, we're not going to give birth to Jesus Christ, but is God still active? I hope so. Yeah. Does he still work? I hope so. Does he still speak? Yes. No, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, as, as Augustine puts it, you know, Christ is ever ancient, ever new. And we have to always ask for first and foremost, the gift of seeing these things in a new light. Because honestly, when you look at the religion of Christianity in comparison with all of the religions, uh, even to this day, Christianity is radically different. You know, that it, it doesn't have a, uh, a religious leader that says, let me show you the way. He points to himself and says, I am the way. You know, he doesn't say, hey, worship this God. I mean, he says, yes, worship God the Father and, you know, come to me. You know, I am the son of he who sent, you know. And these are crazy things. These are crazy assertions. And 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 so often, um, you know, it also, you know, you said, you know, C.S. Lewis, you know, C.S. Lewis in, in one of his books, I believe it was in the preface, he basically said there's two kinds of people that read books. And I like to kind of, by extension, say, well, there's two kinds of people that watch movies or watch TV shows. You know, C.S. Lewis says that the, the first kind are the people that read the book once and think they've read the book. <laughs> and then there are those who read the book multiple times and have actually read the book. There's so many times that we can come across, like, say, a first impression of a person. And it's not that that first impression is unimportant, but it's not the whole of the right. person. Right. And it's the same thing with the story. It's the same thing with when people say stuff out in public, that there's it's worth being chewed on. Mm -hmm. And sadly, our current culture with you know the the quickness of, yeah. of you know uh, media, whether it's Twitter or YouTube, it it doesn't accommodate that atmosphere to actually mm -hmm. chew on what's being said, mm -hmm. to actually ponder these things, you know, in a way that isn't just fruitful for ourselves, but fruitful for the whole world. Yeah. Uh, right now, sadly, on all sides, we're, we're living in an atmosphere of just constant reaction, a lot of emotion constantly being amped yeah. up, and just reaction from every side, which of course just incites more reaction and more reaction. Um, and it always you know, makes me chuckle. I, I'm so thankful for one of my professors here at Franciscan University uh, when I was at school, uh, Dr. Benjamin Weicker. And towards the end of his, you know, I, I took him like six or seven times. It was ridiculous. And I just looked for the semester outline of, of what classes were coming out. I just looked for his name and took the class regardless of what it was. And uh, in those latter classes, he adopted this phrase where he would just tell the students, and I had heard it before at this point, but it always kind of made people scratch their head properly. So, and he would say, don't just do something, stand there which of course is the opposite of don't just stand there, do something. Right. But that is really what we need to be doing at this point in time in history is mm -hmm. to stop doing something for the sake of doing something. We need to be able to stand there <laughs> and say, Lord, what would you have me do? Right. right. You know, Lord, what does this mean? You know? And, and um, so, yes, that's, that's some of the, the stuff that, that kind of comes to mind yeah. You know, when we, again, we're, we've just been reflecting on one instance of Mary pondering and keeping these things in her heart. Um, and it's already brought about, you know, right. a, a host of, 
fruitful, hopefully fruitful um, things to ponder and think about, you know, not only for you and I, but for anybody listening. Yes, which I would say itself is part of what we want to do in this podcast to not just give you some biblical exegesis sure. and teach, you know, we, we live here in Steubenville, so we have neighbors like Scott Hahn, John Bergsma, other huge biblical scholars that could probably unpack the exege- exegetical sure. part uh, of the Bible much better than we can. But uh, our desire is, like like you said, to, to stand there, to, to be present yeah. to what's actually going on, both in the Word of God and in our daily lives. And something I remember years ago when I read this, I was like, well, that's a profound and simple connection is that in Hebrew, the word for word, davar, also means event, because English has some 180,000 words or something like that, I learned. Uh, Hebrew is much poorer, and mm. its lexicon doesn't have nearly as many words, so one word means many English words. And what one theologian pointed out is that then for Mary to keep all these things and her heart, all these events in her heart, because you know she gave birth, you know, miraculous birth, and then uh, the shepherds come, you know, they talk about the angel. Now, she's not only remembering the word of God spoken to her through the archangel, she's also contemplating these words, these events. And I think that's at the heart of what you're talking about and what I'm trying to express too in this podcast is keeping it marrying. How to keep these things in our heart, how to keep both the word of God that, that's, you know, written where we live at the advantage that Mary didn't have, which is we have a written Bible in our own homes, you know, she had access to it in the temple when she was there as a youngster. Um, but we have the, the literal word, inspired word of God with us. And Mary's holding both the inspired word and then these little words, little W words, these things that are happening in her life and holding the two together. You know, I, I mentioned before, she didn't have the end of the story yet. Yeah. We don't have the end of the story. You know, we, we're in our own stories. We're like Frodo and, and Sam <laughs> in the middle of our own stories. Uh, we don't have like, oh, just do this. Uh, it would be nice if we had just a sort of rule book. Yeah. Um, but when you talk about just, you know, stand, I think of something John Paul II said about Mary at the cross and how, you know, that she stood there at the cross is no small thing. That's a courageous thing to do. That's, That's a right. real activity in the midst of chaos, darkness, when the high priest of all people is condemning her son, the authority that should have recognized him. Uh, the political authority is going along with the corruption of uh, the high priest. And she's there standing in the midst of the storm. That's hard. Yeah. Because it's so easy to get caught up in the storm. And what you were saying, and I agree, is we often unwittingly get caught up in the storm. Yes. And then we we feel confused. We feel worried. Uh, we give in to anxiety and real doubts. And Our Lady, you know, she, she comes to bring us that peace of heart a piece that she knows as the Immaculata, one who doesn't know sin. And for me, my desire for myself, for you, for, for those listening and watching is to help us, all of us, keep it, may help us to keep these words, both the words of Scripture and the events of our lives together, because that's hard. It's easier just to hold to, to Scripture and just kind of close an eye to, to reality, or we can just kind of immerse ourselves in reality and, and forget that, well, there's more than just what's going on right, right. here and right now. Uh, and that's the strength of, of Mary's heart, of her immaculate heart, a heart that's able to, to keep and to hold these words. Um, I'm keeping true to my style, Tim. I, I commented that I kind of like a chef that wants to cook so much and <laughs> give know, everybody, know. you know, here we are uh, having to wrap up soon and we'll have to get to the other verse <laughs> from Luke 2 <laughs> at our second episode at this sure, point. Sure, sure. Um, lest I, I give you what one professor said, uh, mental indigestion uh, <laughs> by by giving you too much information all at once. But let's, you know, take a pause there. That was from Luke 2.19, that specific verse of Our Lady keeping these things in her heart after the, the birth of Jesus. Um, I just want to uh, close with a few things, but is there anything you wanted to, to mention or to say before I wrap this up for today? No, only the, that I'm very happy to, to be jumping off in this new endeavor with you. Um, I'm interested to see what kind of comments we might get, um, you know, what people they want to hear more about. Of course, we have uh, in our minds kind of a direction that we believe the Lord is taking this. But, uh, you know, I would say that we're open to hearing mm-hmm. um, whatever people, whatever concerns they have in their hearts. Um, <clears throat> that you know they can feel free to bring those up you know uh, in the comments 
um, to, to let us know, then we can always do, you know, other episodes that are, that are on particular issues. Um, and of course, grounding everything in scripture and the tradition of the church. Sure. Uh, as well as, you know, just the tradition of, of uh, all the saints, which, of course, is yeah. included in that. Uh, there's so much um, good out in the world, and we must never lose sight of that because there's always, you know, sadly, since the fall, darkness yeah. present. Oh, yeah. And um, it can be overwhelming sometimes, but, you know, it's in that darkness that we can keep our eyes, you know, fixed on the Lord, fixed on Our Lady, uh, as the guiding stars that are leading us home. Um, so, like I said, I'm just blessed to be here, and I'm looking forward to seeing where uh, our Lord and Our Lady takes this. It's my joy to be able to do this with you as one of our first ministries together, as it were, as I've long awaited your ordination now. Grateful to share the priesthood with you. What you just said, and I'll, I'll try to wrap things up. My brothers are often uh, nudge me because I often say one more thing in my house. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they grin when they hear that phrase. Um, but Dr. Ricardo Castagnon, when I was in mm -hmm. Bolivia, uh, I couldn't leave because of the pandemic and all the countries had shut down. So a two-month visit turned into a year visit. And he's a neuroscientist. And he had done some interesting studies how our brains, in terms of neuroscience, remember negative things instantly. Mm -hmm. So if I were I won't do it, obviously. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> but if I were just to insult you point blank sure. in a really mean way, that would just be etched into your memory. You have to remember it because the pain mm. makes you remember. But if I were to give you a genuine compliment, he discovered you have to actually keep and hold that in your heart mm. for at least 30 seconds. Wow. Because it's unequal. We quickly remember the bad, and that's where you're getting to. There's so much. There's an inundation, a flood of negative news, of information. And we remember that. And that's kind of all of reality. And all the good stuff, what happens, unless we are keeping it like Mary, the good stuff just disappears. He, yeah. he discovered that the memory actually doesn't take it in. We just forget it. And that's one of the reasons um, I remember Father Jim McCormick and other Marian emphasized uh, to his novice classes, as I do to my novices, the importance of journaling. Because journaling or sharing at least with someone else helps that process of repeating it in your mind. Uh, memorization is the mother of learning was the old Latin phrase. Truly let it sink in, which is why uh, meditation is so important. You know, keeping it in our hearts literally takes place in meditation. As Marians, we do half-hour meditation often before the Blessed Sacrament. And part of our charism, our heritage, is praying for the souls in purgatory. And just by 30 minutes before the Blessed Sacrament or 30 minutes at your home's reading scripture gives you a plenary indulgence. Mm. It, plenary remission of sin and, or sorry, I should say remission of punishment and purgatory which you can offer for yourself or, or for others. So it's another way to live our charism. So try to wrap up by saying that, you know, December 8th this year, we wrap up the 350th Jubilee of the founding of our community and don't want that just to be the end. Uh, trying to start this now as a way to extend that Jubilee, as it were, to, to share the riches of that Jubilee of our founding, uh, to share the riches of our charism. Some of you may be members of the Association of Marian Helpers, members of our Confraternity Immaculate Conception, and as it were, you're kind of like our third order. You know, so I feel a particular desire and responsibility to, to share with you what it means to be a Marian, even if you don't take vows or wear a white habit. Right. Um, but you're called nonetheless to share in the riches of the spiritual life that Mary gives us, you know, that she pours forth from her spiritual life. And if you're not a member yet, uh, you can look below. We'll put the links. Uh, you can easily become a member either of the Association of Marian Helpers or the Confraternity of the Immaculate Conception. But I'll, I'll close with one last thing is that we pray the chaplet of the Ten Virtues. It's not obligatory, but uh, also be able to learn how to imitate her virtues. And in meditating on the Word of God, we, we imitate her, her fidelity, her faithfulness to the Word of God, her ability to hear it, uh, and her obedience. That, you know, she's keeping this Word of God in her daily lives. Uh, so I'll also put a, a link for that in case you want to learn a little bit about that. Now, the last piece of news that I have, and this is truly the last, you'll have to forgive me, <laughs> is I have the joy of announcing that I'll actually be releasing and publishing another book. Uh, the last book I published was in 2017, Stepping on the Serpent, The Journey of Trust with Mary. And during the pandemic, when I didn't have much else that you can do, uh, I wrote Shining in Spotless Splendor, Consecration to the Immaculate Conception. Uh, and that unpacks as best as I can do on my own the riches of 
the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, what that means for our, our daily lives. So I would also encourage you, if you're interested, uh, I'll put the link also below uh, if you want to take a look at that. That's a sharing from my heart, a consecration to the Immaculate Conception. So thank you, Tim. Thank you. For your patience, uh, listening to me, putting up with me and all that I want to share. It's my joy <laughs> to be with you. Thank all of you for joining us today as we are keeping it Marian by keeping the Word of God and the events of our daily lives, pondering them in our hearts. I'm Father Thaddeus. And I'm Father Timothy. Pray for us as we pray for you. Immaculata Virginis Maria Conceptio. Sit nobis salus et protexio.
Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to watch it as well. You can find the video version of Keeping It Marian exclusively on DivineMercyPlus.org, the streaming site for all things Marian. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.